Talking Single is a podcast featuring three strong women raised between Lagos and London, but we all live in London. We talk about life, love and everything in between, challenging stereotypes and questioning what it means to be a woman navigating life today. Our podcast is called Talking Single simply because it's what we do and who we are. Enjoy. This episode is a bonus episode. We did not know we would be recording. But in light of everything going on right now, and as black women, we thought we would speak our truth. In the aftermath of the death of George Floyd, everyone I know who is black has been triggered. It was the last straw for all of us. We are angry, we are sad, and we say enough is enough. No more killing us and no more treating us less than because of the color of our skin. It has gone on for too long and we have had enough. Hi, I'm Crystal and I'll be hosting the topic today, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, like what did you guys think of that point? Like, um, I mean, like I was saying, resources. If, for example, um, I'm kind of working on a, a project at the moment that I'd love to kind of get off the ground. Um, and it's kind of based around this in a way, because the thing that kind of triggered it is we all, I don't know if you guys all saw the, um, the like, I think it was back in February, no, it wasn't February, it was March, and those French scientists wanted to test out vaccines for coronavirus on Africans. Mm. Exactly. And this is like, this is what exactly what I mean, you know, this wouldn't be happening if you know Africans, like if the African market uh, was upholding ten or twenty percent of the European market, upholding ten or twenty percent of the American market, they'd be like, no, you can't do that to the citizens there because they are working for, and their working and their work directly translates to twenty percent of our market. Mm. You know, so we need to find a way of making them dependent on us because the thing is, if we do do it individually as well, it's not going to stop anyone from coming in from the outside and then doing a whole, you know, slave trade thing all over again, where they're just going to come in, take the resources, start wars, destabilize, and this, that, and the other. And we've seen it over and over and over and over again. I think, and I think historically, history has proved that it's easy for them to actually come in and destabilize us because our GDPs are lower. And we need the foreign currency. So we are easily bought off because of what our needs are. Um, and I think it's, it's difficult to say that we can bring down the GDP of Europe. I mean, coffee is a very good example. Kenya's coffee yes. is sold out for peanuts. And when it gets to the UK, they're selling it at £3, £3.50 a, mm-hmm. a shot of coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and there's all these um, fair trade stuff and they go, they pay fair coffee, which makes things better. But, you know, and the farmers in Kenya are probably doing better for it, but we will never demand the prices um, that the Europeans can pay because it's just a different economy. The economy runs in a different way. And I think it's, it's unfair to ask Africa or countries like Africa to compete on the same level as European um, um, companies because the economy is entirely different. Our needs are different. And also because of the levels of, sadly, corruption in Africa, the people that can effect these changes are so susceptible to corruption. 
that they will be bribed and bought. That's, that's not a generalization. All, that's, a, that's not all African countries. That is a generalization. Is Actually, the point I was going to make, I, I guess, so. I know so. I get what you're saying, but for me, it's very different. So I think it's a generalization that. Um, all African countries in Africa no, are corrupt. Saying, no. Hang on, it's yeah. a generalization, but because, and if you look at it from a different perspective, yeah, I was in a alumni meeting a couple of days ago, and a couple of my friends work as advisors, and they were appealing for people to get involved in government because that is the way you start to effect change. Yes, there are people that are um, old school. And I used to do something for me and I'll do something for you. Let's call it that. But there are those who also are tired of that. There are many countries where they are tired of that. If I give you an example, Ethiopia, tired of that. They put in strong rules to kind of, they want to effect change. So things like the African Union and the trade agreements that they have, it's all about taking control and networking within their countries. I'm not just talking about Ethiopia. There are many examples. If you look at Eastern Africa, yeah, Kenya, um, yeah. And that, that diaspora yeah, but, is there. there are yeah. a lot of the examples. point is, we may not know, but they are also doing it. The change will not come in a day or a week or a month. Oh, they are countries of yeah. colonization and the effects that. of And there's a reason for that economic disparity. And colonization was the reason for that economic I, disparity. I understand and accept that there are lots of countries that are working to break the cycle of corruption, but we cannot ignore the fact that there's still people actively working to just siphon this fund. But why are they doing it? The reason for corruption is the fear of poverty. People are hoarding okay. money because they don't know where their next paycheck is going to come from. And it's systematically due to colonization. Divide and conquer is ingrained in a lot of how we were um, colonized. So there is a reason. And even when the colonizers came, corruption was the way that they used to bribe people to do their th- things their way. So corruption did not come to, corruption was brought to Africa. So mm-hmm. blaming corruption on, on why our leaders are doing this, it's a fear of poverty. It's a consequence of so many systemic issues. Yes. Yeah, let's put it this way. It's, yeah. a, it's a consequence of many things. And look, at the end of the day, it's not saying that there isn't. And there's some people that are just overtly greedy. Let's yeah. agree yeah. with that. Well, but yes, my point, yeah. to move us on, what I would say is there are people that are effective and really trying to make yeah. change. Well, so exactly. to JP's point, how do we connect these people together so that we can use it as a way to start to break that cycle of systemic impact of colonization, racism, whatever you call it. Yep. There has to be that connection, which is, I think, JP's point. I get where you're coming, right? Yes. I'm not disputing it. Yes. I'm just yeah. saying there are many, it's not as black well, and white as that. Yeah, I know, but the thing yeah. that is we should accept that there are people that are working, are people that are working against our own progress, and we accept it. They're identified, and as you said, more and more people will get into, should get into positions where these terrible people are rooted out. And that's the aim. But until that is done, but that's happening. But the, but it's, I think it's idealistic to assume that this is, there's never going to be some element of people that are going to be greedy. I mean, if you look at the American system, the British system, Everywhere you will have it. So we can't yeah. wait for them to get out before, you know, you effect change. You can't say, they ha- it's never going to be like that, right? Even the most advanced, you know, organ. Never. So in spite of that, we have to do what we need to do is the point. And I would say the second thing, just to build on what JP was saying is, the other thing that we can be looking to do is, what am I going to do as an individual to do something 
Because it's not yeah. just big change. It's small change that can, you know, yeah, small totally. steps. Totally. what can I do? And I'm asking yeah. myself the question, I'm tired of sitting down, like I said before, being the only black person in my, in my company. You know, how do I start to speak up and make people uncomfortable? And that's actually what yeah. I to do. I'm going to make them very uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> start to see um, happen. Yeah. But it's true. If we don't speak, who is going to speak? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was thinking that... Um, people, sorry, Crystal. If, if you're sitting in a position where you are the only black person, don't ask the organization why you are the only black person. Ask the organization, why are you not talking about the fact that you are the only black person? That's right. Yeah. So there are things that we can do as simple as I'm going to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause I'm tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think uh, um, I was going to say the other things we can do is support organizations who are actively fighting for us. Let's mm-hmm. make donations. Let's join them. The protests are going to end. We're all going to go back to our day jobs. Mm-hmm. Let's try and support those um, activists that that it's their job to actually do this for us so that they can continue those who are in parliament let's try and support them and that's what I think we need to do and each of us has an influence over five at least five people let's mm-hmm. use our voices no matter no matter how small you think it is mm-hmm. you can change people we have white people in our lives Let's start having that conversation with them. Those who don't want to listen to us, get rid of them. They're no good. Yeah. And then, um, what else was I going to say? I was going to say something else, but I forgot. Can I, can I chime in if you don't? Can yeah. I chime in? Go on. I think yeah. one way um, to actually kind of get people on board is to you know, paint that picture of the utopia that the planet that we could actually achieve. You know, the human race, we've been striving towards this utopia since, you know, day one. And we've been thinking, you know, one day we're going to get there, one day we're going to get there. And we know that in this place of utopia, you know, there's not going to be any kind of racism or whatever, but, or like illnesses or anything like that. It's going to be like that kind of heaven or whatever. But the thing is, is that we need to kind of say to these people, you know, we, these people need to believe that actually, you know, our the emancipation um, of the black people, you know, we need to eradicate kind of slavery in, in, in total. And like, you know, we need to give black people opportunities and we need to actually help to bring up the black lives um, yeah. because it's actually in direct benefit to them because a lot of people don't see it as being beneficial for them. A lot of people don't feel as if like, you know, that's why they don't feel like they need to get involved with the march really. Mm-hmm. And so what they say, and, and the way that we can actually say, actually, you know what, this is directly going to impact you because whether you like it or not, it's going to sound like I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. So it's going to, they're going to be like, it's going to affect you because one day you're going to have, you're going to be affected by things such as global warming. Yeah. You're going to be affected by things such as cancer. You're going to know people that are affected by things such as global warming or cancer. And the thing is, if you've got one scientist working on the solution for cancer, just one, mm-hmm. how long is it going to take them? Mm-hmm. Forever. Yeah. Right. You and it's going to take forever. If you've got one person working on the solution for global warming, mm. how long is it going to take them? It's right. going to take them. If you've got two people working on that, it's still going to take a long time, but that time's going to be hard. Yeah. You need to work collectively. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. You need to work in cooperation, not uh, not in competition. And so this is how it's going to impact them because people that actually care about global warming but actually don't really care about the Black Lives Matter movement, there's a whole 
section of the pie that's not being utilized here to help to solve problems that could be used to help to solve the world's problems. Yeah. And they're not giving us the opportunity to. They're not allowing us to actually be educated in in the same way because they're underfunding our schools. You know, they're underfunding the schools in um, in the ghettos, in the neighborhoods, in the estates. Mm-hmm. And this is what we do to actually like focus on the people that are underprivileged. Mm-hmm. And we need to actually bring them up. And I'm not just talking about the black community here. I'm talking about people mm-hmm. that may only have one parent. They're underprivileged as well. They might be white also, all right? And so what I'm saying is by focusing on these people and saying, giving them the encouragement they need and putting them into the programs that they need, helping mm-hmm. them through the schools, what you're doing is, is that you're bettering your chances of you getting yourself closer to that utopia. It all starts with education. Mm-hmm. It really does. And when we can, when we can actually, you know, if we can get, because at the moment I think it's something like 43% of the globe is considered to be educated to this like, you know, be able to read, write, do math, arithmetic, and this, any other. But imagine if we can get that to 100%. Imagine yeah. that. We could half the amount of time it takes for us to get to this utopia. Mm-hmm. You know, we could be, the future could be here twice as quickly. Yeah. And, yeah. and it could even happen maybe within our lifetimes or in the next lifetime. The thing is, is that people don't, like, these people that are sitting comfortable right now, they're up there sitting comfortable. They're like, life's good. But think of how, how good life could be for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is what we need to do, and this is why it's important to, to, you know, to emancipate yourself from this kind of slave, like this, this kind of slave owner mentality. This whole, um, you know, we need to have equal. We need to have equality, but we don't need to have. Like, I mean, equality is nice, but we can't implement systems of equality. You know, mm. we need to have systems that are focused directly on these underprivileged people and pay more attention to these underprivileged people so then they've got equal opportunity so i don't know if you've seen that meme on on google which is like you know equality versus equity Mm. and you've seen it right and then it's those kids those three kids standing by a baseball fence one tall one medium size and one small and then it gives them all a box to stand on. The tall one can see twice as high now. The medium one can nearly see over the fence, but he can't see over the fence. Oh, sorry, he can just about see over the fence. And then the small one can't see over the fence still. And so that's a system of equality. You're giving them all the same treatment. You're giving them all the box. But that doesn't work because they still can't all see over the fence. You know, the small one can't see over the fence. So what do you do? You take the box from the big guy, give it to the small guy. Now all three of them can see over the fence. It's quick maths. And the thing is, is that when you can actually do that, you know, there's three people now that have the opportunity to see the game. You know, you've given opportunity to all three, not just two, not just one. Mm. And you've implemented the system of equity in order to get there. Mm. These are the policies we need to be, be putting in place now. These are, this is what we actually need to be doing. Mm. You know, these are the actions we need to be taking um, from the momentum, from these marches, from these protests. This is what we need to be doing as individuals. This is what we need to be telling people about because this is what's going to carry the world forward into that next stage. This is literally a big moment right now. We've got a lot of momentum building up. I mean, like here in Berlin, you know, we were able to organize this huge rally, which was fantastic. Um, you know, over 15,000 people just within the square. And there was still more people trying to join that they just couldn't count, you know? And this was on the same day, on the same day as a very right-wing protest as well that was marching saying White Lives Matter. Mm, in the same, wow. In the same city, only just a few miles down the block, it got completely swamped out. By the amount of Black Lives Matter people and mm-hmm. the people against anti-racism that were in solidarity, and I mean, That's amazing. It is. It truly is. I mean, this is a moment in history 
um, that we can really be proud of. And I know this has happened before in the past, and I know that we're tired, and I know it's been like, you know, we're thinking, is there actually going to be change? Mm. But there's only going to be change if we can, I mean, now the door is open, and, uh, you know, thanks to social media, thanks to the, uh, the internet, a lot of people are able to realize their privilege, which I've never seen before. This yeah. You know, like honestly, the amount of time, the amount of tears that I've shed over the last few days is ridiculous. Like I think I'm hydrated just because of that. I'm actually like having to say topped up on water. I'm, I'm got time and making sure I drink water every hour. Yes. You don't get don't die of dehydration. Can I can I use hey. to list out like mm-hmm. in 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 sort of fighting um, this privilege and racism. I think one of the things we need to do is to get some allies, get those privileged yeah. to have a voice and speak for us. So yeah. I, I would like to just suggest a few things that they can do. That if you do have white friends or colleagues that you think could be sympathetic to the cause, I think it's time to approach them, to talk to them, you know, um, tell them not to feel uncomfortable. Um, try and make them at ease. It's, it, you know, it's not, it's not about fighting with them. It's about letting them realize what their privilege actually is and letting them understand what the problem is, you know, and t- teach, also teaching them how to approach black people because quite a lot of them, they claim that, oh, I have a black friend, but, you know, they're not part of the black community and they probably never will be. So, yeah. it's, you know, teach them how to communicate, you know, so that they don't, you know, say the wrong thing or be afraid to say the wrong yeah. thing. Get them to mm-hmm. listen more and talk less, you know. Mm-hmm. Get them to yeah. just try and listen to somebody else's experience and understand why the person's experience is different, you know. Get them that, explain to them that being an ally is is not just good enough to be an ally and not be a racist. You actually have to actively and proactively educate yourself you know know what you're saying make sure that um you 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 emphasize with information because it's your duty to you can't pretend this isn't happening anymore um i think you also need to you know explain to them that they can't pretend that oh my gosh i didn't know this was happening it's, we, we've gone yeah. past that. You can't claim ignorance anymore, especially with all that's happening around. Yeah. I think, it, you know, talk to your allies and let them know that, look, we're in a new world now. Things have changed. Things have shifted. You're either part of the problem or part of the solution. Yeah. Encourage people to Absolutely. be part of the solution. You know? And also, to interject quickly from a Black person's perspective, perspective for me is... I have decided well, for a, long, a while ago, decided to be unapologetically African or Black. Mm-hmm. I'd want to normalize my experience, my looks, my behavior, my speech as a Black woman. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I stopped wearing straight hair extensions to work mm-hmm. because my hair doesn't look like that. So I'd have in cornrows or single braids or have it out in a bun with my Afro. Mm-hmm. And that's my African hair. So that people that, yes, the first few times people were uncomfortable, like, oh, your hair is different, your hair looks interesting, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But when we normalize being black or being an African person, more and more people, I think, would be able to, after a few years or weeks, months, days, or whatever, it then becomes normal thing to see an African woman with her Afro outer work. 
and slowly and surely the ones that are allies will realize oh well that's that's her hair without having to make a big production when you have your hair out it's not just it's not just hair it's it's an example but it's just normalizing being black or being african as opposed to folding yourself into this model of what the society wants you to look like or be like or sound like I get that. That's a that's that's another big massive issue. Um, it's it's almost another episode, to be honest. Yeah, I would just only say to that one that that's your that the choice that you've taken for yourself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's my way. One hundred percent. What you are you are entitled to do. Yeah, right. You have every right to express your blackness, your Africanness yeah. in the way that you want. Just like I would may want to do it. In a very different way. For me, the one I would just to build on your point, I would pick on this stereotype of the African, the black angry woman at work. Just because you are passionate about something does not mean that you are an angry black woman. And so I am very like, when I have a point of view about something, I am very extra about it. And I've been called sassy. I've been called... Um, what are the other things that they call, you know, when you're, you're sassy? I've had, oh, God, oh, fiery, ghost, yeah. I've had that as well. And, I, and I've kept quiet and I've inter- even at times laughed at it. I told myself I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to say, why did you say that? Do you understand how <laughs> that means? How ridiculous <laughs> that is? I'm not American. Have you been watching too many movies? Like, what yeah. are you associating with me? So we're gonna have, oh we're gonna be God. having. That's why I say I'm gonna make people uncomfortable. One yeah. is about consciously yeah. talking about it, but also calling stuff out when I see it. Yeah, definitely. Um, as well, but yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to say that one of the things that we can do, like the four of us, or is it five of us now? Um, we, we should mentor other young black girls, boys, yeah, yeah. because they are the future and they need us. Um, whatever we can do, mentor, whatever. I mean, maybe we don't have time, but it's just a thought I had. We can help the younger ones and we right. should try to. And we show them all the beauty they have inside. Mm. Yes. Are you just I think that's very important. Right <laughs> yep, she was. I think... <laughs> I think that's very pride. Oh Lord. Okay. <laughs> to make it um, yes. Are we gonna start singing now? Are we gonna start singing? I feel like um we've discussed all the points. What does change look like? I think like we discussed what change looks like. Um but to sum I guess to summarize that, um change look uh sorry. Who wants to summarize? Because I can't talk. <laughs> what change looks like? We've said it, right? We said it all. Yeah. Okay. I think um, the change. Well, well, this is, is an interesting question that I think uh, we can dive delve into like even more, I suppose. But like change looks, I suppose, like I, I suppose you kind of get to that point where you know you're. I know they say, oh, you know, I, I don't see color or whatever, but I feel like actually maybe that's what, maybe that's what the future does kind of look like. I mean, you're just so, you're so, you're just so accustomed to everyone, you know, having, looking different. I mean, but I think ultimately change would look like, you know, when we can look at the house of parliament in the UK and not just see one or two yeah. black people in that, mm. you know, that's what change looks like. I think change looks like, you know, when you can look at a boardroom, in a company, when you look at a boardroom in a company and you you can 
you, I mean, at the moment, when you walk into a boardroom in a company, you can already kind of imagine what everyone's going to look like. They're typically going to be old white guys. Um, yeah. And so, you know, change isn't going to be that. Very pale and very male. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like change isn't going to be, you know, changes when we get to a place where, you know, the US government isn't talking about the black voters or, yeah. or you know, they're not going to be talking about our oh, first black president or anything like that. That's not what they're going to be talking about. They're going to be talking about the person's policies yeah. and what the person's actually like, you know, the content of their character, not the mm. color of their skin. Mm. That's what she looks like. And the thing is, you know, we can get there. We can get there. And it's very important for us to continue believing in that. But we just need to know what our next step is. We need to know what the, yeah. where to place the next foot. Even if it's only a little bit ahead of the glass, the one where it was before, we're still moving forwards. And I think we, you know, in all honesty, I think it's very important for us to have, you know, tailored pitches in a way, like, like, ta- like, you know, come sharpening our arguments and sharpening our sword in that way. Because yeah. now we're coming into a place where people are going to be looking to us to mm. make sure that we've got, like, you know, the answers. And there's, we need to make it, we need to make sure that people are able to come and talk to us easily as well. Mm. You know, the yeah. amount of, kind of um, like, I was getting into rants on Facebook and stuff like that, and I was falling into this black hole mm. where I was just like, okay. And then, you know, these were going on for a few days, and then I started to approach it a bit differently. Mm. And the rants I got into on Facebook as well, a lot of the people were like, actually, you know what, I kind of get where you're coming from now. Um, I'll and do some research and honestly for me that was like a tear-jerking moment mm-hmm. I was just like wow I generally didn't think I was going to get through to you mm-hmm. and I really do feel like actually you know making a um, making a safe space giving these people a safe space to talk to you and just realize you know it's not their fault they're ignorant they grew up in an ignorant system um, yeah. in a system that made them that way and you know they can't be faulted for that and giving them the chance to actually come and talk to us and speak to us and get to know us on that kind of level, get to know that, you know, when we're happy, we smile. When we're sad, we cry. Yeah. You know, when, um, you know, we want to dance when we hear music. We want to laugh when we see something funny. That's right. you know, when, we're hung- when we're hungry, we eat and all this, you know, we need to realize that we're actually just like them. Um, introspectively, the only difference is our experience and the experience that, you know, society has put on us. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say change Change for me is equality. All those statistics that I read, I want that to be equal. Mm. I want black people to have, to have the things that they're supposed to have, you know, education, good health care, all of that. And that for me, when those statistics change and I go to those statistics in another two years and I see the difference, then I will know that there's been change. I will know that we... We, we've made we've made something happen but if those statistics still remain the same in the next two years then uh that will be sad yeah very that'll be sad very yeah so um i have a rapid fire question for everyone so everyone has to answer it but very quickly so in the uh in episode two of our podcast one of the questions ruby asked was is dating outside of our race selling out at the time the three of us said no but have we changed have the recent events changed our opinion and I'm gonna go first actually um, and say it hasn't changed my opinion but one thing that I am aware of is if I'm gonna go with a white person they need to be an ally 
they need to be pro Black Lives Matter and they need to get it because going with a person who doesn't get it is just going to cause so much trouble for me in my life. So that's my answer to the question. So I'm going to go to Ribby because it was your question. What do you think? No, simple. Yeah. Uh, Keisha? It's been equal opportunity, so that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Keisha? I'll say no, and I love the way you put it. It's like, no, and it just needs to be somebody who is an ally and somebody who understands, um, you know, what their privilege is and, you know, is vocal about it. That's yeah. it. Cool. Yeah. Rashida? Um, no, I don't think anyone would be a sellout for dating outside your race. But as you said, the person has to be an ally. JP, what yeah. do you think? Um, I think no. I don't think it's, uh, it's a bad thing to date outside of your, your, um, your ethnic group at all. I think, um, well, I, I do think it's probably a lot harder um, if the person it's definitely a lot harder if the person doesn't understand the struggles you've actually been through and just pass them off I think you know I've kind of been in that um, situation before and it's just yeah it's just not good mm-hmm. so okay well we have come to the conclusion of um today's episode um thank you everyone for listening And um, we just want to say Black Lives Matter. And in conclusion, I'd like to quote uh, a piece from one of the most amazing speeches I I have heard by Jesse Williams. And it says, the thing is, just because we're magic doesn't mean we are not real. Thank you, everyone. And goodbye. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to the Talking Single Podcast. Want to continue the conversation? Then follow us on Instagram with the handle at Single Talks Podcast. Tag us on any post with the hashtag Single Talks. And trust us, we will look at every post you send. Then head over to our website, singletalkspodcast.com, where you can find all our podcast episodes. We are also downloadable on Apple Podcasts, Google Play and other podcast platforms. Don't forget to leave us a review. You can also email us at singletalkspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have your comments, questions, or even future topics to cover. Till next time, take care.